Welcome to Bikini Diaries. I'm Naima Thompson, businesswoman and IFBB bikini professional. Here, you will get the inside scoop from many bikini professionals and myself as we dive deep into the inner core of our triumphs, hardships, and evolution. This podcast was made to inspire, resonate, and enlighten others with all talks bikini in hopes that you never give up on your dreams. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now let's talk bikini. Dear Diary. You were listening to the Bikini Diaries podcast. Welcome, welcome. So happy to have you. And I would like to begin with the review of the week. Her name is Kristen Ashley. She titles this new favorite podcast, giving it five stars. Naima, I love your podcast. My only complaint is I wish there were more content every day. It's my number one go-to right now. I love the latest episode as I too have struggled with my relationship with Jesus and naysayers' opinions and how to effectively communicate my stance. I've gained so many pearls of wisdom from each episode and I can't wait for so many more. Your laughter is infectious and I can truly feel how much you love and passion you have for this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Go ahead and send me a quick DM so I can send you your very own Bikini Diaries tea. And if you would like to win your very own Bikini Honorary Diary tea, you can leave a review in iTunes or you, if you're listening to this on the podcast app, you can scroll down and leave a review there as well. The next thing that I would like to say, and I'm so excited about it, I feel so compelled to share this with you, is that I'm so happy to announce that I'll be at the Yogi Festival held at the Lotus Pond campus on Saturday, this Saturday, February 1st with my affirmation. I love my affirmation because I have been able to help so many women connect more, gain courage and feel empowered in their life. There's nothing like meeting my customers face to face and them being so proud and just so inspired to run their own businesses and just basically take control of their life. Um, I hope to see you all at the event in Tampa and no worries. If you're one be able to make it it's okay because you can head over to myaffirmationfitwear.com and you can grab your very own pair of affirmation leggings now today's guest has been in the game since 2012 there is so much valuable information we can learn from her she shares with us how she overcame the binge cycle which oh my goodness crazy. This woman has crazy experiences and all the things she did to help her in the YOLO effect, which we may actually have experienced for ourselves. We speak about some of the amazing methods that helped her master macro counting and what I think is going to be so helpful for you. Should you stay lean all year or should you put on more weight? 
Is it more about loving how you look or being more competitive in the IFBB? She is going to also be sharing her perspective based on her experiences to this question, which I think this question, these questions are amazing because these are questions that have come up in conversations with me and my friends. So it's so nice because I know someone out there is going to love and gain so much knowledge from this episode. I know, I know it's you. I know it's you. So without further ado, I am so excited and delighted to introduce to you IFBB bikini professional, Aria Adami. Hi, Aria. How are you? Hi, Naima. I'm very good. Thank you. Good. I am so excited to have you on. I've been wanting to have you on for a very long time, so this is definitely a really good special treat. Thank you. I am very happy to do this, and I'm really appreciative of you accommodating me um, because we had to reschedule, so I appreciate that so much. You, you're awesome, and, and I'm excited for this. Yay! So we are going to get started with the bikini hack so everyone can find out just how amazing you are, girl. <laughs> it's just going to be a quick, a series of quick questions to get to know you a little bit better. So tell us, where are you from? I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, and I moved to Gainesville, Florida in 2013. How old are you? I am 38. Wow. And I'll be 39 in six weeks. Nice. Well, happy early birthday, and you look freaking phenomenal. Thank you. And what do you do for a living? I am a pharmacist at a smaller mental health hospital, and I also work part-time in um, a retail pharmacy. And how many years have you been competing? I started competing in 2012. Say what? I know. I know. It's crazy. Um, but I didn't compete every year. I did take 2014 off. Okay. Well, I feel like we have to do a deep dive on that, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've, we've got a couple years to go through, so we, we've got a lot of experience. When and where did you get your pro card? I got my pro card at the 2016 Teen Collegiate and Masters Nationals. Obviously, okay. I was not a teen or a collegiate. I was a master's competitor. And name one quality about yourself that makes you a really strong athlete. I thought about this one because I, I cheated and I listened to a whole bunch. Like, I've just been listening to all the podcasts the past, co- past couple days. So I've heard a lot of different of the bikini hacks. So I kind of had an idea that you might a- ask this. Um, I'd have to say probably resilience and consistency. Okay. And why would you say this? I have done some really stupid things. Um, things that would be like, oh my gosh, you're going to quit and you're never going to go back. But I'm pretty resilient. So, you know, I just kind of bounce back and, and keep trying. Um, and even some of the really hard losses too, you know, like that takes a lot of resilience to just say, I'm going to keep trying. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not giving up. Um, yeah. And consistency is, I mean, it's become my lifestyle. So I can't really imagine, you know, not tracking macros or meal prepping or going to the gym or getting some kind of activity. So all those things that are kind of integral to prep and competing um, just kind of fit into my life now. So it kind of helps with the consistency. And what's your favorite quote that keeps you going? I also thought about this one too. Um, (laughs) And I I love quotes, but I think this one, it really 
struck me during my prep for my pro card. And okay. it's, it's actually kind of like a, a weird quote because it's from Alice in Wonderland. But at one point, Alice says, this is impossible. And the Mad Hatter responds and says, only if you believe it is. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. yeah. I love that one. <laughs> and I tend to like have more of what I call like the science realistic type of brain mm-hmm. where I'll be like, okay, this, you know, like this is never going to happen. It's so far fetched. You know, I kind of thought that when I was going for my pro card, um, because it was kind of one of my more rougher preps. But then, you know, I said, well, it's only impossible if you think it is. If you think anything is possible, then anything is possible. So I said that to myself a lot. And I still do because there's a lot of things that, you know, I love to dream big, shoot big. And there's that science brain that kicks in and says, this is impossible. You'll never do that. But then, you know, that quote comes into mind and I keep pushing. I feel like this is a quote that we're never going to forget because of Alice in Wonderland. You know, yeah. we kind of we grew <laughs> yeah. up on that. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's yep. something that we're just going to remember. So yep. I love that. <laughs> so what what keeps you motivated, Aria? Because you've been in this sport for a very long time. I think it changes. You know, when I first started, it was it was getting my pro card, which is kind of funny because it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to be a pro. I wanted to compete at the New York pro. And I realized that it wasn't, it was a, an IFBB only event. You couldn't, they didn't have an NPC New York pro. So when I realized that I was like, well, I guess I, I gotta, I gotta get my pro card. And then when I got my pro card, (laughs) just like that. Yeah. I was able to compete in the, in the New York pro. It kind of, you know, I still, once I hit a goal, I, I like to raise the bar and, and try and just do a little better, you know, like one up it or, you know, go for a, a, a bigger, better goal. So then it was like, oh, well, now I want to hit the top three at the New York Pro, which I still want to. Um, but it's also kind of morphed into, you know, I want to go to the Olympia. I want to stand on the Olympia stage. So I don't know. I guess it's just I'm a very goal-oriented person. And the cool thing about goal setting and achieving is that you can start out small. You know, like when I went to my first show, it was just like, okay, just go do this, see how it goes. And then it was like, oh, okay, well, I actually have a standing chance. I can keep going. I can raise the bar. I can do better. Um, And that's kind of just how it progresses. It's just there's always a way to improve and, and make progress. And even as you get older, that's still a possibility. Like it's crazy, but I look so much better now than I did, you know, when I started in the sport, even though I'm older. So mm-hmm. it's cool. It's just very cool and motivating to just see how you can physically progress and mentally, you know, I'm still learning new things, which is crazy to think that there is more stuff to learn, but there is. I mean, there's always something to learn. There's always something to improve on. And yes. I guess that's my motivation. You know, you said something really important is um, breaking down the steps, you know, and starting with small goals. Because when we have, you know, these big dreams, <laughs> all yep. we can think about is the dream and we get so caught up in it. And it's so easy to just doubt ourselves because of the the steps that we choose to you know, skip because we're trying to do the big things. And I love that you focus on the small steps to, um, you know, to get better. 
Oh yeah. I mean, that's where, you know, we're, we're being bombarded by messages saying dream big and, and don't fail. And, and those things that kind of scare you because you want to have a huge goal, but you do have to start in a stepwise fashion, you know, for anything really. Um, you know, even when I went to school, like when I went to pharmacy school, that took steps, you know, like, okay, here's the first thing, get your undergrad done, you know, do well, raise your GPA. You, everything has to be looked at in, in steps the way I see it. You can't run before you can walk. So I think that's important to remember. And the other part that's pretty cool about that is once you build, once you achieve a step, you build more confidence and that helps exactly. in achieving a lot of goals because when you're not sure you have doubts, you're just not really confident about it, but you go out and let's say, you know, you lose your first five or 10 pounds. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. You achieve that. So then you say, okay, well, I'm going to go for, you know, another five or 10, or, you know, maybe it's more of, I want to run faster. I want to do a mile in less than 10 minutes, or I want to, you know, do a, a shoulder press of 30 pounds, you know, just you raise the bar, you know, you get a little bit more confident, you raise the bar, you keep going. That's mm -hmm. just the way to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I'm sorry, this is so good. I have to touch on that. Okay. You know, so many people wait to feel confident and then do something, but what they don't realize is that they get confident after they do the thing it is that they want to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So 100%. I just, like, I love that you mentioned that. Everybody's afraid to do something. Even the most self-assured, confident person is afraid to do something. You know, even me, even something that might seem silly. But once you go and do it and you're like, wow, you know what? That wasn't that bad. And and I can do it. And um, I'm a huge, huge fan of David Goggins. And he has a book called Can't Hurt Me. And mm -hmm. in the book, he references the cookie jar. And I know everyone's thinking, oh, cookies. You know, no, no, it's not that. But he does talk. <laughs> about, you know, the, the cookie jar and you have to go back to that and remember the times that you doubted yourself, but you pushed through and you achieved something. And that's what he calls reaching into your cookie jar, reaching into those past experiences where you, you had doubts, but you came through and you succeeded. So it kind of shows you that it is possible. You know, you can do something. So, Aria, what is your why and why do you compete? I think this has also changed over the years. Um, like I said, my first why was to compete at the New York Pro. And, you know, now my why is, is to stand on the Olympia stage. And, and part of it is to favorably represent a lot of my sponsors and, um, you know, coaches and mentors um, and also personally, it's just a great way to have like an end point. You know, we, I go to the gym, I train, I eat according to a diet, you know, and that's, I can do that with or without competing, but it's nice to have that platform to show it off. Yeah. I am not a big makeup, look at me attention type person. Um, so show day for me to get my hair and my makeup done and take a ton of selfies and <laughs> that to me. And, and I, I mean, I treat it, honestly, I treat it like a vacation, you know, like competing to going to compete in different cities is, is an experience. I love to fly. I love to travel. So, I mean, honestly, all those things kind of 
go into competing. And now I've been able to even just see how my body responds to different foods and different amounts of foods. And to me, it's just kind of a fun learning experience. Get to meet different people. Um, That's kind of how I use my vacation from work is to compete. (laughs) Yeah, that's wonderful. And I I heard that you um, you went out of the country this year or 2019. Excuse me. (laughs) Yeah. I know we're in 2020. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Crazy, which is so awesome. And, and, you know, just, there's just so many things that competing brings to us. So many gifts. So we're actually getting to the last question of the bikini hack. And if you could pick one, what would be your absolute favorite prepping stage day or post show treats? I love prep, but I love, love, love stage day. It's just, I don't know, there's just something about it, um, maybe because it is so out of my comfort zone, um, and it happens so quick. <laughs> it's like, wait, it's done already? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, stage day to me is just kind of where it all comes together, and I can literally, I can almost feel how, like, I can tell the day I wake up how I'm going to be on stage. It's, it's kind of weird, but like it, everything has to come together. I have to wake up and I have to have this certain confident feeling. And unfortunately, there are some days where I wake up on show day and I'm like, I don't really want people to look at me. And I'm like, damn, girl, it's going to be a hard show day. Oh, no. And that's part of the challenge of it. You know, like it's more not that prep isn't challenging, but to me, the show day, it, it's just everything. It's just emotions, the the challenge of it, just the, how quick it's over. I, I just, I love that. It's it's addicting. And that's probably why I don't know if I'll ever compete, stop competing. <laughs> so, but how did you get started? How did this all start for you? Because this was in 20, 2012. That was, that was a long time ago. Yes, it, <laughs> it was. So I was about to turn 30 and I started just caring a little bit more about food and nutrition and I wanted to learn how to start weight training. So I started looking up um, just like healthy recipes and I stumbled on the NPC NPC, and saw Physiques of Bikini Pros. And I was like, wow, how cool would that be? And it took me a couple years, but I finally went down to one of the big name teams had a camp and I went down to it and it was in September and it was just a weekend camp. I went there just thinking I'd, you know, maybe learn a little bit more about nutrition. You know, maybe I'd compete at some point down the line, but I ended up flying back to Buffalo after spending the weekend and signed up for a show four weeks later. So I definitely wasn't pushed into it. You know, the the coach believed in me and said, you know, you're going to do your first show in four weeks. And I was like, all right. And I loved the experience. Um, I'll never forget it. It was the 2012 NPC New York Grand Prix in Poughkeepsie. Oh, wow. I honestly, I didn't tell anyone but my family that I was competing. I didn't tell friends. I didn't tell. I just told my family. I jumped in my car and drove six hours and ended up finishing second place. And this was before like Instagram really kind of took off. I mean, we had Facebook, but Instagram, I don't even know if Instagram was around. So it was a lot less like, 
I guess, public attention, but I loved it. And so after that, you know, I did another one that year and I had won first place in that one. That's another one I'll never forget. That was the 2012 NPC Eastern USA's and it was gigantic and it kind of started my love for New York and New York pro. Um, and I just got hooked. Like I just, I just got hooked. Yeah. So back in those days, I'm sure the diet was completely different than it is now. There's so many methods that have, you know, kind of took over in the bikini world, the competition world, but paint a picture of how the typical diet was like back then. Well, and when I started then, I had no idea that, I mean, I'm sure flexible dieting and macros and all that were around. I mean, because it's just kind of a little different way of looking at food. But when I started, I thought the only way were meal plans. Mm. I lived and died by a meal plan. And if you ate anything off the meal plan, it was restricted. And essentially in my novice brain, I thought it was, you know, you were going to gain body fat and not be ready if you ate anything off of a meal plan. So the meal plans were typically six small meals, um, mostly just whole, quote unquote, clean foods. Which, I mean, now knowing what I know, there, there's nothing wrong with the foods at all. I mean, you cut out processed stuff and, and generally that's, your, you know, your body's going to be able to metabolize them a little bit better and they're less calories. Um, but you pretty much ate every two to three hours these small little meals um, and you didn't substitute or swap anything, you know, if it called for chicken, you ate chicken. If it was broccoli, you ate broccoli. Um, whereas now, you know, we, it's evolved. Like, it's crazy to think that it, that wasn't that long ago, but it's evolved so much to, I mean, now you have more choice. There's just, there's so many different options to diet. Um, it's kind of crazy, but back then it was just, you know, I got the meal plan every, for every month. I ate the same things every week for four weeks, every six, you know, it was six meals a day. And then the next month it would change. Um, but it was usually about the same, same foods. You know, it's interesting because I used to think the same thing. I used to think that if I, like if there was broccoli on my meal, if I had green beans, I was cheating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Like all the time that was just, you know, the, the framework. And yeah. like, that's probably why I had a, you know, a bunch of problems when I started competing and probably why a lot of people do, but, oh yeah, but that's interesting that you said that because it's, it's, you know, we're, we're now in 2019 and we're completely different people, but we're still saying the same thing or we're, tw we're in 2020. 2020 so yeah. we're now in 2020 and we're different people, but we're still saying the same things, which is so interesting. So how exactly did your, did your, um, knowledge for nutrition evolve? Well, like you kind of hinted, um, having such a rigid meal plan where you were afraid or had no knowledge of, of how to swap things and, and you thought you couldn't led to some pretty big eating issues. So 2012, 2013, I think I did a total of eight shows. And then at the end of 2013, I was not in a very good place at all. Um, I quite honestly, was, was pretty desperate just to be able to eat normal. Um, I, I, I forgot all sense of 
of, of eating. Like I had never been an overweight person. I've always been on the smaller side. Um, and, and I've never had disordered eating. And I'm, I want to be clear that I'm not blaming meal plans or the previous team I was on for the disordered eating. Um, but I mean, I definitely, I lacked knowledge of, of nutrition. And I think that that's important for anyone in this sport, you know, whether you choose to do a meal plan or you choose to count macros or keto or, you know, all these crazy diet options you've got now, general knowledge goes a long way. And, and that's definitely something I'm still learning, um, you know, even eight years later, but I stumbled on video logs from Lane, Dr. Lane Norton. And I remember watching it and it was metabolic adaptation and everything he said in in these video blogs, I was like, Oh my God, that's me. (laughs) And we were, we were coming up. It was the end of the year. It was end of 2013. And I, was just feeling like I couldn't stop overeating to the point mm-hmm. where I was physically full, like bad physically full. And and it wasn't even just overindulging. I mean, it was straight up binge eating. Um, and then I couldn't, I was in this terrible cycle where I would binge eat and then I couldn't stop doing, you know, two hours of cardio. And this is, I'm not in any kind of prep or anything. I'm supposed to just be living life. And it was my favorite time of year. It was Christmas. I was with my family and I felt bad about eating Christmas cookies. And I don't ever want to feel like that. You know, like, and a lot of it, like I said, was that I couldn't just enjoy one or two and be like, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm satisfied. I'd have to eat the whole pan and then I'd feel terrible. Hmm. And it was just a terrible, terrible cycle that I, I mean, Dr. Lane Norton Lane spoke to me through his video blogs so much so that I emailed him and I could probably dig back and find the email. And I just was like, I'm, I'm desperate. Like just, I just, at this point, I don't even think competing is a potential in my future. I just want to be normal. Mm. I just don't want to have this eating problem and this over-exercising to, you know, fix it. I just want to be normal. And he actually emailed me back that same day. And we started working together all of 2014 to, I don't want to say fix, but to address the disordered eating and to um, that's when I learned how to count macros and track macros. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So kind of bring us back to, you know, when you were talking about binging, cause it's, it's interesting to me um, <clears throat> because, you know, in the past, like obviously like post-show you want to eat and you want to eat what goes on in your mind that makes you want to keep eating. See, see there's a difference. So if you, our post show and then you have another show like you're about to start prep again or you know you're going to start prep again you have the scarcity mindset where you're like oh like i'm not you know i'm not going to start prep until december so i have 3 months to eat as much as i possibly can i've i've done that like i've thought that you know so i go out to i i remember one 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 uh off season i made sure i went out to dinner with my spouse every friday saturday and sunday we'd go out to dinner we'd have drinks just so i could live life, quote unquote, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) but you, you know, I don't know if you had a show coming up, but bring us back to, you know, Christmas and you're eating the cookie, but you can't stop. What do you, what goes on in your brain? Well, see, you can, I can talk about back in 2013 when my brain was just, it was, I guess you said like the scarcity mindset. 
and being on being on this meal plan where Christmas cookies wouldn't be quote unquote allowed. So mm. at, at that time, it was like, oh my God, I got to eat all these because, you know, when I start back next week or prep starts, you know, whenever, I'm not going to be able to eat these at all. So mm. the extreme restriction would kind of make my brain think that way. And that was back in 2013. Whereas wow. now, you know, we did just have holidays. I did just compete on December 14th and I'm looking to compete now, you know, in the next, it's going to be less than three months. So it's pretty close. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm calling it limbo because I'm not necessarily in an off season, but I'm not necessarily in prep, but I still have to be kind of mindful of, of what I'm eating and how much I'm eating. But I mean, I still enjoy cookies. So it, it's, it's a big mind shift in the way that this is where I have to say that flexible dieting has helped me mm. because I, the cookies are no longer entirely restricted. However, I will add that there are times in prep that calories do have to get very low. And while I might be able to eat a cookie, if my calories are low enough, is it going to be the best idea to eat a cookie? Because I only have X amount of, like my budget, my caloric budget is pretty small. Like, mm. I think the best way to kind of show that example is like with a car, you know, if, if I'm only making 50 grand a year, am I going to go out and buy a Ferrari? Probably not, you know, like not, not exactly the best idea. <laughs> if I'm making a million dollars a year, am I going to go out and buy a Ferrari? Sure. You know, because I still have the budget to quote unquote fit it. And I, if you look at calories kind of in that perspective, and you can look at it from a macro point of view or just a calorie point of view, um, I kind of use the words macros and calories interchangeable just because on a broader scope, it is total calories. Mm -hmm. You know, I track macros because the amount of protein, carbs, and fats proportion is important, you know. But if I look at it from that point of view, then, you know, it, it kind of helps you to, to make a better food choice. If I'm having a great day and I'm not feeling that hungry and I can spare the, you know, whatever a cookie is, what, like 200 calories, 100 calories, you know, not a big deal. But it, it does kind of, you do have to kind of think about what your overall caloric intake is supposed to be and how much that treat is going to take away from it. And is it going to be the most satiating, nutrient-full option of what you could eat? So I guess that's kind of how my mind has changed from 2012, 2013 to now. Um, and, and a lot of it is just the education of it and knowing me. Yeah. And I, I'll add with personal experience. So I feel like for me, um, I, I realized how fast the years go by. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the first year it was like, man, you know, I'm never going to be able to eat this ever again. And now I'm like, dude, like these years go by so fast. It'll be, I'll blink, blink. And next thing you know, that cookie will be right there with me and yep. <laughs> we'll have a field day, you know? So, so that's interesting that everything kind of changed and with, with time. Yeah. And I, and I think like a lot of times we, we try to be so perfect. Yeah. So in the, this is a trap that people fall into with macro tracking and macro counting. You try and hit your macros perfect, you know, to the gram. But let's say, you know, you are out with family and friends and you do have a cookie or a drink or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, may not 
fall into line exactly in your macros. Well, are you, is it that big of a deal if you have just a small little indulgence? Is it better to just give into it and have it or severely restrict yourself and then go home and eat the entire cupboard of cookies? Yeah, You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that part I have struggled with more recently, um, knowing that, you know, a small being over your macros by a little bit or deciding to not even track something, you know, but to still be mindful about it. And for me personally, severe restriction makes me binge. So like I've learned that even if that means I'm a little bit over my, my target for the day, it's better off than being a whole shit ton over, you know? Yeah. No, that's a great method though. You know, just allow, you know, obviously the goal is to stick to the plan, but Instead of being super rigid and super trying to be a perfectionist to where you, f- you know, in, yeah, you know I mean, binge, like yeah. just forgive yourself for being a little bit over and move on, you know? Yeah. If you're freaking out over, you know, it depends on where you are in your prep or your journey. But yeah, I mean, really, what's 20 grams of carbs? You know, it's like not really all that much. And just, you know, you, you if you stay consistent. And that's kind of what I like about my fitness pal is that there's a way to look at your caloric intake for the week Mm. and it averages it out. And as long as you're, you know, hitting weekly calories, then, you know, I I try not to freak out too much about it, but you just, you do have to be careful with the, you can get into a bad cycle if you're starting to eat way over and then you're starting to eat way under, then, you know, that's not good either. I just try, like I said, I try for the consistency. You know, just kind of keep it the same every day, whether you're a little bit over, a little bit under, not a big deal. Um, But if you start finding yourself where you're, you know, having these days where you're eating a lot over what your target is, and then the following day, pulling back and restricting because you've eaten so much over, that can be definitely a bad situation to get into. So do you feel that binge tendencies ever go away? Unfortunately, no. Okay. And I think that that is something that I've tried to change my mindset on it. Like everybody thinks about it, that you can fix it and that it goes away. But even, even people who have never competed, you know, people who have dieted, like I have a younger sister, she's never competed. She's never going to compete. That's not something that interests her, but even she'll have binge tendencies. I don't know if it's like a, personality trait or I don't even want to say it's a female trait because that's just sexist but (laughs) and I'm sure that there's plenty of men who have this the same issue um a lot of times it's it's emotional um but I don't think it ever goes away I just think that we can learn to become a little bit more aware of our certain tendencies Mm -hmm. and there's definitely ways that you can manage them a little bit better. Um, I mean, I personally, I've had to work quite often with, um, Corey, Dr. Corey Probst, who is, uh, the diet doc life on Instagram. Um, and I've, I've reposted a lot of her things too. Um, just to kind of, you know, I, I don't think of it as I'm damaged. I'm bad. I need to be fixed. I need to, to push it away. No, I, you know, I acknowledge it, you know, like even, you know, like what I say, I've, like this is my fifth week post show and I'm loving the nut butters like big time <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, 
But looking at it from like a nutritional point of view, there's probably some better sources of fat than, you know, eating a ton of nut butter. Um, and it's, it's something that I know that kind of happens on and off, you know, so just like be aware of it and I don't push it away. I don't, I don't hide from it. I don't, you know, I acknowledge it and I say, that's what it is. Um, and actually I, I honestly plan it into my meals. Um, but just in, in measured amounts, because you ever weigh out like a half a tablespoon of, of nut butter, it's not that much. It's not that much. No, it's not. <laughs> Especially if you weigh it to the gram, it's like it yeah. shrinks somehow. I don't know how that <laughs> yeah. little sucker does that, but it does. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So I love, um, you know, everything that we're talking about and how you were able to kind of, you know, manage this and how you were saying it kind of all started with meeting, you know, Lane Norton and learning about macros. Um, what was your introduction to counting macros like? <laughs> it was, well, this, you got to like, remember this was back in 2000, this was the beginning of 2014. And I had to learn a lot on my own. Um, even though Lane is in Florida, I mean, I, you know, he wasn't like down the street for me. So, you know, he showed me the way I, I watched every single blog. Um, I learned everything I possibly could, uh, but I messed up a lot in the beginning. And I, I'll definitely remember that at this time, I, I don't honestly drink a lot of alcohol anymore. Um, just as I've gotten older, it just makes me feel like junk. So I just don't do it. But back then, you know, that was one thing that I restricted out of my diet when I was competing because I didn't really know how it worked. But with macros, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll start, you know, I can have a glass of wine. And <laughs> I, I forgot, I think I actually like read the nutrition label on there, which is not the way that, you know, we do it now. Um, but I was tracking them totally wrong. Um, and I think that like part of, I don't want to say the fun, but the adventure of everything was, was learning, you know, like, I didn't beat myself up if I did something wrong. I just realized, oh, okay, well, you know, that's not really right. So let's, let's do it this way. And obviously I've gotten better at it. Um, it just took time. I, I want to say like the first six months of tracking macros, I probably screwed up more than I did right. Um, but that was also the best reverse diet I ever did. I mean, I think when Lane and I started, we didn't, we didn't really know what my caloric intake was because I was binging. So mm. we started out at like a hundred carb and I want to say like 35 fat, which is like very low. Yeah. And you know, I, I knew that during this reverse, you know, like I was at a very uncomfortable weight to start with, but I realized that, you know, we had to slowly build my metabolic capacity up. So wow. it was going to take time and I might weigh more. And I was like, that's okay. He's like, but if you trust me, you know, and next year when we prep, it'll be, I'll be worth it. So it took, I reverse dieted that first one and it had to go through a lot of learning pains. Um, but at the end in October, we, we started prep and I got up to, I want to say it was 305 carbs and 74 fat. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And honestly, I started, I want to say we started at, I was 128 pounds 
I think the highest I weighed during that entire reverse was maybe 134. And then when we started prep, I was maybe 130, 128. So like not all that much different and, and weight fluctuates too. Like it would, you know, obviously it, it did hit a higher point at one point of 134, but by the time it was October, 40 weeks later, we started prep and, and I want to say it was probably about where I started. So, and then by that time I was like an expert macro counter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with all of that practice. So when you met Lane Norton, um, did you meet him after a show and you guys reversed or was that something, was that just like one of his methods that, you know, when you, when you start working with him, he reverse diets you? When I started working with him in uh, beginning of 2014, I had done a show in August of 2013 and I weighed 110 pounds. After that show, I that was when the, the binging and the overeating cycling okay. just was out of control. So when I came to him, I was already up to, like I said, 128 and gaining because I just, you know, the, the more I tried to restrict, the more I would overeat. So I generally think that um, it kind of depends on where you are when you start working with him. Mm. Um, but at that point, I mean, that's what we needed. We needed to reverse diet. I needed to actually just train and put on muscle. Um, I, I didn't really have much of a, a muscle foundation to begin with. Um, that yeah. was, the, I mean, not only did Lane teach me how to count macros and, and do the, the greatest reverse diet I've ever done, but he also taught me compound lifts. I started deadlifting mm-hmm. and squatting with real weight, um, which wasn't really something I had done before. I was more of a, I mean, I did use weights, but not in the, in the manner that would actually build muscle. I mean, I did a, a lot more cardio. So it, it kind of depends, um, you know, because we've worked together for years after that. And generally after every season, we would reverse diet. Um, and, and even sometimes during the season, you know, like I, I get to a point where I'm lean enough. I don't need to be any leaner. And we start to actually put in more food during prep, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I'm actually really interested in the fact that you guys, you know, reverse dieted. And when you work with a new coach and, you know, he, he puts you on a restricted diet that you were able to follow it okay. So what were some of the methods that you used in order to be able to follow it? Because I know like, you know, coming from a show, the last thing you want to do is have to be, you know, at 100 grams of carbs. <laughs> so what do you think helped you get through this process? You know, like I've done, so like I have the example from 2013 and then um, I had another really long prep from 2017 to 2018 and started working with Lane again at the end of 2018 and pretty much came to him at the same macro point. I was still, I was very low macro. I had been dieting for probably 43 weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I was in stage condition and I wasn't binging. So we had that advantage. Um, But, you know, like a lot of it, um, which is a, it's a kind of a double-edged sword, but when your macros are that low for me, I like to be like, okay, well game on, I'm going to see how high I can get these macros and, you know, not gain or gain as little body fat as possible. And to do that, you have to be pretty adherent to them. You know, you have to actually weigh, you have to actually track. Um, and so it's a great motivation, you know, to, to try and see how high you can get your macros and, and not put on body fat. 
However, like I said, it, it, it is a double-edged sword because they're, depending on the person and the life you want and, and what makes you happy, you do, in my opinion, you, you do need to take time where you're not tracking things to the gram um, and, and you're not, you know, you're eating maybe a little bit more freely. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say intuitive eating, um, but mindful. Um, and when you spend a lot of time, you know, there's a lot of people who are very, very perfectionist tracking macros that they almost forget how to eat if they're not tracking macros. Yeah. And, and then that's where I can see, and this de- totally depends on the person. Um, you know, you, you do have to do what makes you happy and I'll never say something is right or something is wrong. Um, if that's what makes you happy, then by all means continue to track everything to the gram. But, you know, for me, there, there's a point where I like to be able to just depend on my own knowledge. Like, am I full? Am I not full? And a lot of that, you know, I do wait till I, till I get to a certain caloric range. You know, like I know my caloric, caloric ranges pretty well. I know the range I need to be in to diet and I know the range I can maintain it. And I know the range that I'll start adding weight. Um, so I definitely feel a lot more confident if I'm at a caloric range where I'm kind of maintaining to -hmm. just go out and kind of freely eat. Um, but that's kind of the thing I see about the tracking macros, which can be just as disordered as, you know, disordered eating is, is binging. Um, but like I said, that, that kind of depends on the person too. Um, and your lifestyle, you know, if, if you, like you said, if you want to be able to go out with your husband or your boyfriend and eat more freely, you know, that's gonna change how, how you track or if you don't track. Although a lot of the restaurants nowadays do have like a lot of the information online, which yeah, even if, do. like I said, even if it isn't perfect, it's still something, it's still something. It's better than going in there and saying YOLO and just, you know, eating your face off, <laughs> you know, whereas it, you if you get steak and veggies, like, I mean, that's steak and veggies. I don't necessarily bring my scale with me and weigh it, but you know, you're getting a six ounce steak. It's a six ounce sirloin. So. Definitely. So what about when you guys were in prep? Are there any food groups that you eliminate? Um, honestly, the only foods I really eliminate, and this will change like when it's a couple days out from the show are, Things that bother my stomach, things that get me bloated or cause gas. Um, I've gone back and forth about artificial sweeteners and I do generally cut them out like three, four days before the show, just because I don't, I don't really know how they affect me Mm. and I don't want to take that risk. Um, so that's kind of what I do, um. No, I mean that's pretty solid. Yeah, I, like if I if knowing my history, if I start restricting things too soon, then I run into the issue of, you know, potentially having a binge issue, which would be way worse. Yeah. Um and I do generally eat the same things every day. Um and, and like like I love onions and asparagus and broccoli and cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. But if I'm eating a ton of that, like it, it, I get bloated and, and it just, it's not comfortable. And so I will cut that out before the show. 
Um, a lot of highly processed foods too. Um, you just don't know how your body is going to respond. And it just leaves that, that gray area of unknown, which this past year I've gotten a lot more, I've paid a lot more attention to how food affects me. And I've kind of gone more toward the bro style of clean, quote unquote, clean eating, you know, even the week before the show or just, just to eliminate as many unknowns as possible. Definitely. And, and, you know, <laughs> I hate to mention it, but what is, what is Lane's Nor Lane Norton's, um, take on that? Like, does he believe in like eliminating, you know, certain foods or does he just feel like, you know, macros is macros and, you know, food's just a food and there's no real <laughs> preference. He's actually like, like very no bullshit about it because at one point we're talking about FODMAPs and it's got this, some kind of really long, it's an abbreviation, an acronym for, for foods that can cause like generalized like stomach bloating issues. Mm. And uh, me and Holly and Lane were all kind of talking and um, I generally have eaten Pop-Tarts on the day of the show and, and even the week of the show. And Holly said, well, they do contain high fructose corn syrup, which is an, is a known FODMAP. So you, you might not want to eat them. And I was like, Oh my God, Lane, does that mean I, I, I can't eat pop tarts anymore? And he's like, no, nah, you've been eating them for years. I wouldn't worry about it. Like we know how you, how you tolerate that. So a lot <laughs> of it is just individual, you know, like yeah. if you notice, and that's, that's just being more self-aware of things. If you notice that it's going to cause you an issue, you know, you, you probably don't want to eat it. You know, like, Generally, a couple days before the show, you know, we're very used to eating a lot of fiber to keep us full and because it's good for your digestive health. Um, but you don't want to be pounding the fiber, you know, a day out from the show, two days out from the show. Um, and he's kind of got the same stance as far as like the artificial sweeteners. Uh, a lot of them do draw water into the gut, which will cause bloating. Yeah. So, I mean, he doesn't say, you know, five weeks out from the show, stop eating them. But generally... Um, you know, about 18 hours, you know, maybe two days before the show, um, you know, you do want to limit that or cut it out. Um, and that's yeah. kind of how we always done things. Well, that's awesome. Like I, I feel like I'm learning so much just listening to you. Um, I kind of want to ask you about your staple carbs because I know, you know, when restricting, or I should say you're counting macros, you're prepping for a show, it's kind of hard to fit in carbs. Um, the way, like, um, I shouldn't say hard to fit in carbs, but hard to fit in like rice or things that I feel like take up all of your carbs. <laughs> so like yeah. for me, for instance, like oatmeal, I like to stick to oatmeal because I know, you know, I can get a higher volume for a low amount of um, carbohydrate intake. So what are your staple carbs? And that, and that totally depends on what the levels of carbs are at. Hmm. So when they are, carbs are low, you know, you want more bang for your buck. You, I want carbs that are going to satiate me. They're going to fill me up, but they're not going to take like, you know, a t all my, my allotted carbs for the day. So, um, like something that would be a good example that I use this past prep. Um, I love sweet potatoes. I love, uh, Trader Joe's roast cauliflower. Mm, that's so a I, good I one. A lot of that. Um, I eat a lot of salads. I eat a lot of veggies, uh, broccoli, cauliflower, um, greens, salad, lettuce, 
those are kind of my staple carbs. I, um, I'll do fruit, but like I said, it kind of depends on what the carbs are at because I love bananas, but you know, they're pretty high in carbs and they're not all that filling. I mean, I could probably eat a bunch of bananas and still be hungry. Yeah, so, definitely. <laughs> so I, I don't, you know, it kind of depends, but strawberries I really like. Um, I do like oatmeal too. Uh, wheat bran I, I use a lot. I am not a huge fan of rice. Um, only because it just doesn't fill me up. Like I eat it and I'm still hungry. I also really enjoy the uh, Joseph's pita wraps. Those are kind of my staples. Okay. But honestly, when in doubt and when carbs are low, veggies. I just, I literally have, I'll have a salad a day. Speaking of veggies, do you actually like count um, or do you actually track peppers and mushrooms and olives and, you know, like. I do. I feel like those are all kind of gray areas. Uh, yeah. So you you say you do. You track do. all of it. Wow. Yep. Okay. Um, like I said, it kind of, if carbs are low enough where, you know, if, if let's say, for example, just like a round number, 100 grams of carbs, that's pretty low. And veggies do have carbs, you know, so they are going to take from that. Like right now, I'm, I'm in a good place. Uh, you know, I, I may not track every little vegetable I eat. Um you know, carbs are a decent place where they're not, if I don't track every vegetable, it's not a huge proportion of, of my total carbs. Um, but generally, yeah, I do. So one thing that I noticed about you, and this is just over the years that I've been following you, because I've been following you for quite some time. Oh, I noticed, thank you. <laughs> I really have. <laughs> so oh, cool. I've noticed that, you know, obviously every year you get better and better and you get leaner and leaner, but something that I found to be very um, amazing is that you tend to stay leaner for longer. And I was kind of curious as to how you were able to do that. Is it the macro counting? Is it just like being structured all the time? Like, what is it? Because I even remember you saying something like you did a you did a uh, a prep for like forty four weeks or something like that. So I was thinking, I'm like, yeah. is she always in prep or what? What's going on there? Tell us well, your secrets. Was... Okay, <laughs> so that was you know I've been competing now since 2012, and I was with Lane in 2014. So when we I made a comeback to the NPC in 2015 and pretty much since from 2015 to 2017 I stayed fairly lean even in the in the time from the off season um unfortunately I didn't necessarily make as much progress because I stayed so lean okay so that was kind of a learning lesson from that but I do remember at the end of 2017 um I gained a lot of weight in a very short time, I chose to explore different coaching options. And so I was not with Lane and that kind of, that led me into like a 43 week prep in 2018. Oh, okay. So I, I think I, let's see, I can't remember the exact date, but it was, oh yeah, I do remember. Cause I went to NBC nationals in Miami and I was coming down toward the end of my like off season, but I had already gained I think I was probably around hundred and probably around 130, which for me is pretty uncomfortable. Um, and it was only 16 weeks, this, this short off season. So I went from like a stage weight of 107 to 128 in 16 weeks okay. and started prep right after 
um, NBC National. So right around Thanksgiving in 2017. I didn't actually compete until the New York Pro, which would be May of 2018. So it was a really lo- it was a 25 week prep just for that, and then I went on to do some more shows. Um, but honestly, once I get to my stage weight, I can generally stay there pretty easy. I do have to diet pretty pretty low to get there, um, but once I'm there, I'm pretty consistent. Um, as long as I don't go YOLO with my eats, um, I can maintain pretty low body weight pretty easily, and we're able to actually increase calories. So that makes it even easier. So my next question is, how do you make progress with staying lean? Because I know you mentioned, you know, part of the reason you didn't make progress was because you were staying lean. So which which method did you feel was more beneficial for you? I think I like to feel comfortable at a comfortable body weight. So for me, I don't think that I'll ever gain as much weight as I did 2017, 2018, um, because in the, the dieting process, just I'm sure I made some good muscular gains having that much of a surplus, but the dieting process feels like I just lost like all the muscle I put on oh, wow. and it was a little hard just Mentally, you know, I, in, in that year, I, I actually definitely saw myself going back to more binge tendencies, which is, it's a no-go for me. Like, that's just not something I'm willing to repeat again. Um, but on the flip side, you know, I do have to be careful that I don't stay so lean that I'm not making progress. And, I mean, I stayed lean, but I was still eating probably around 2,000 calories, which is a lot for someone my size. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that I was eating low calorie. I was just working that hard that I was burning it. Um, yeah. So like, like right now, you know, I don't want to be in the situation where I put on a lot of weight and I'm very uncomfortable and then I have to do a very long prep. But I also don't want to stay so lean that I'm not able to make the appropriate muscle gains that I need to be competitive in the IFBB. So it's kind of a fine line. Um, and I'm honestly not sure of the answer. Yeah. Um, like I do know that I, I need to slowly reverse diet and get my calories up just, just a little bit more. Um, but I also have honestly been kind of afraid of, uh, lifting heavy and building muscle. Hmm. So that's another part of the equation is that like, I'm, I don't know if I'd say that I'm a hard gainer, but I am a natural athlete. So I'm not putting on pounds of muscle a year. Um, and I, I used to lift like a power lifter, which was awesome to build a foundation. But I'm right now I'm, I'm lacking an upper body. So this year has been kind of different. Um, I'm, I'm still definitely lifting my lower body, but more focus and more frequency on my upper body because that's where I need to have more of a balanced physique. Um, but I guess I kind of, this year going into it, I'm, I'm, I'm lifting heavier and trying not to be afraid of quote unquote, putting on too much muscle because honestly guys, like I want to like how I look 24 seven. Yes. I want to be competitive in the IFBB and I, and I want to get to the Olympia 
I want to win top three. Heck, I want to win the New York Pro. But I also really want to wake up every day and love how I look. Yeah. And I'm not 100% sure how much muscle I really want. So mm. that that thought has definitely held me back a little bit. Um, but then I realize I'm being stupid because I'm a natural athlete. And it's going to take a lot to put muscle on. Yeah. But it's so funny to hear you say that because, I mean, you've been doing this sport forever and you know that. However – you know, everybody thinks that like yeah. everyone who's not into fitness, they're like, I don't want to lift weight too much weights. I don't want to get too big. And, and, you know, it's funny. I, I've thought that several times too. I'm like, oh, I don't want to get that big <laughs> yep. Yep. as if it's going to happen overnight. Right. But, um, <laughs> I think that's just so funny. But I, I mean, I think that that's, you know, that's a, a, what a lot of women feel. So I don't think it's, you know, bad to bring it up to talk about it you know like I um I deadlifted and squatted very heavy for probably it was like three years and if you look back at some of my photos like I have a substantial lower body which was awesome I mean if I kept going that route I could probably do wellness um and so there's a fear of of that but you know that's just just have to tweak training a little bit, you know, just tweak training a little bit and, um, you know, kind of do more balanced, you know, bikini does have muscle. I mean, there's plenty of, even just, just now I'm thinking, you know, I was going to do a show in February and looking at some of the, you know, the, the stage comparisons are definitely what to look at, you know, cause that's how you compare against everyone else. And looking at a lot of my fellow IFBB bikini pros, I'm like, dang, these girls have got some muscle like in their upper body. So I'm like, yeah. I think I need a little bit more time because genetically we all have our strengths and weaknesses. And that's where I lean out super quick is my upper body. Hmm. And then I just look small in comparison to my lower body and, you know, comparing to the lineup. So that's kind of why I'm thinking more compete in April and not February, give myself a little bit more time and, you know, definitely just training as hard and as heavy as I can. So what are your goals this year then? Well, I'd love, love, love to be on the 2020 Olympia stage. And you know that there's the two, two ways to get there. You win a pro show you're in, or you can go by points. I don't know that I can do as many shows as I would need to do, do to go in by points. Um, so you know, we'll see what happens this year. I do have two points on the scoreboard, which is awesome. <laughs> um, but that is awesome. Uh, <laughs> but it's it is very competitive, and is there's a lot of shows, and they're all like, just everybody's bringing their best. Um, so all I can do is just enjoy it and have fun, and and just you know, every time, every show, do better, bring my best, make improvements. Um, and continue to have fun because at the end of the day, if this isn't fun for me, if, if all I am is just gunning for, you know, the win and getting to the Olympia, then it tends to not be fun for me anymore. And that shows on stage, honestly. And Yeah, definitely. So I love everything that we've talked about. I feel like we've learned so much about, you know, your experience with counting macros and, you know, some tips on just like how to 
master them and to be okay with not knowing everything and to be okay with, you know, taking the time, you know, you told me it took you like six months to really figure it out. I think that's amazing. And you just opening, you know, yourself up to us about, you know, binge eating and how you just, you know, not necessarily did it go away, but you were able to find ways to maneuver it and to master it and to overcome a lot of the obstacles that you face every single day. So I just like thank you for coming on. Like I love following your journey. I'm so excited for you. And um and I, I really appreciate you. Oh thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we did this. It was a, a long time in the making, but I appreciate you taking the time and asking questions and and putting this up and, and helping you know, maybe new people in the sport or like people like me who have been in the sport for some time. And I just feel like there's always something to learn. There's always something mm-hmm. to improve on. And, you know, out of all of a lot of people have said, you know, you stay very consistent and you can stay very lean for very long. How do you do it? And I just think that everybody's a little bit different. And like I said, I'm naturally just a smaller, just smaller person. Um, I love food, but I'm not in a sense of like, like a, a foodie type person that just kind of mm-hmm. fits my lifestyle. Um, and, and if that's not your lifestyle, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but just being self-aware of things. And I think the biggest takeaway from, you know, like I'm only in my fifth week post show and I went through Christmas cookies and New Year's and, you know, now Super Bowl's coming up and Valentine's Day and, and all those very food oriented holidays. And my calories are still not that high, but you know, like the thing that helps me the most is that, you know, think about it logically. If you restrict so much that you're going to go out and go 500 calories over your target, is that better? Or is it better to just say, okay, I'm going to have a small indulgence, maybe be a hundred calories, maybe 200 calories over, but then just get right back on tomorrow, not over restrict or overcompensate, you know, do extra cardio or cut your slash your calories to even less like to me that's been the game changer and just consistency and and overall just getting back into your routine yeah and you know another important thing that you touched on was just loving what you look like every single day and getting the physique and obtaining the physique that you want to live with because you know i've even thought about, you know, I've struggled with this because at one point I'm like, I need to put on a bunch of muscle. And then I (laughs) sat there and I thought, I'm like, you know what? I don't want that much muscle, you know, or I don't want to look that way or, you know, um, I need to be my stage weight again. Well, you know, I feel very uncomfortable at my stage weight. You know what I mean? Like you really start to think about what makes you happiest and what you feel the most comfortable, um, you know, with every single day. So I think that's just something that everyone needs to think about. And I think everyone is going to after this. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I mean, I've been, I've stayed stage weight, very close to stage weight for a long time. And I've gained, you know, a significant amount of weight too. I've been on both sides of the coin. And I do have to say that for girls that are, are trying so hard to stay stage weight, you know, if you want to put on muscle and if you want to make those kinds of improvements, you know, chances are you're not going to be able to stay that, you know, just most generally you're not going to be able to, you're going to have to put on some kind of body fat to put on muscle and how much or how little muscle you want to put on is, is up to you. You know, like at the end of the day, I always want to like how I look. I mean, 
the stage, I love the stage, but we all know how quick show day goes. Like I have to live with my body for forever. You know, every day I have to see it in the mirror. So I, I think just kind of finding your happy weight and, and that might change, you know, like before I started competing, I did not want a butt. I wanted the smallest butt possible. I just wanted to be skinny and thin and, you know, as I've gotten older, now I want more shape. So I said, okay, you know, I'm going to need to have to put, I have to put on muscle to have shape. You know, that's, that's really the only way to do it. So I, I just think that that's important to remember is just your, your overall goal. And a lot of it is, you know, if you feel like garbage when you're at your stage weight, do you really want to live your life like that? There's nothing wrong with, you know, having a little bit more body fat and, and living and, and loving your life. Um, so I just, I do see a lot of that on social media and it, it makes me sad. It really makes me sad because if anything, we get into this sport to love our bodies and appreciate our bodies for what they can do. Um, and that's where training in the gym and PR goals and even endurance goals, stamina goals. Um, you know, I'm my, one of my goals is to run faster, you know, all those things like you need food as fuel to be able to do that. So if you're trying to yeah. stay your stage weight and you're eating, you know, very low calorie, that that just may not be a reality for a lot of girls. Um, I think that's just important to remember. Yeah. Well, thank you for this. We are coming now to the Bikini Diaries question, and you Ooh. can answer this question <laughs> any which way that you would like. If there was one thing you could confess, whether it be good or bad, about your experiences as a competitor, fill in the blank, dear diary. This is kind of interesting because we were just talking about this, but this would be my confession. Dear diary, if I'm pleased with how I present on stage and I'm proud of my journey to get to stage, I've already won. It doesn't matter if I've won first place or last place. I, as long as I am happy and proud of the physique I'm presenting and how I got it, then I've won. Thank you for your confession. <laughs> and if there was one piece of advice that you could give to someone wanting to become a professional in the sport, what would you give them? Don't know that I can say one piece of advice, but I'll try and keep this short. You can uh, give a couple. Okay. Definitely never quit. Um, I think I, I use that as a hashtag a lot. Um, I mean, it took me four years to go pro. Um, hopefully it, well, actually, if I make it to the Olympia this year, it'll take me four years from pro to get to the Olympia stage. So maybe four years is my, is my magic number. Um, but definitely never quit. Um, another thing that is kind of a, a, a double-sided coin too, is, is the don't compare. Mm. Um, I mean, everybody is so different and, and yes, I said, when you're in that lineup, you kind of look up and down the lineup to see how you compare to everyone, because that's how you're being judged. Um, but, and I've, I've fallen, I guess not victim, but I've, I've been influenced by this kind of thing where you see. Somebody posts something on social media that I'm eating all this food and look how shredded I am. Or, you know, I do 
I go to the gym once a week and I do no cardio, but look how amazing I look. Mm. First of all, don't believe everything you see on Instagram or social media. Second of all, just do you. We're all different. We're all going to take different, you know, steps to get where we need to go. And it doesn't make you better or worse or more impressive or not as impressive. Just in that sense, don't compare because it, it, it will literally break you. Don't compare. Um, and the last thing um, is just stay positive. You know, whatever take good takeaway you can make from whatever show you do, let that be what keeps you going. You know, maybe you didn't win first place, but maybe you nailed your posing routine like you never done before. Maybe your hair and makeup look perfect or your tan was perfect. You know, there's always positives to take away from every show. Um, so take away the positives and address the negatives to get better. Um, and that's where the keep learning comes from. Like I've been in this sport for a long time, which, you know, maybe you're thinking and you haven't accomplished anything, but that's your point of view. You know, like I'm very proud of, of what I've accomplished for myself and could I have done better? Sure. Will I do better? Absolutely. But I've also learned so much that carries over in so much of my everyday life that competing is just a small part. You know, like there is more to life and there's a lot of awesome takeaways from competing that you can put toward every part of your life. So my advice, never quit. Don't compare and stay positive and keep learning. Oh, thank you, Aria. And don't, don't ever say that. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But sometimes I'm like, oh, shit, it has been a long time since I've been competing. Oh, I should be on my 10th Olympia. Exactly. Who you know, cares? like honestly, I you know, never even thought I'd go pro, so. <laughs> and you said it. Everybody takes their own steps to get there, and you never Absolutely. know somebody's story. You Absolutely. never know someone's story. So the not comparing thing is so extremely important because, oh, I hate – like, I don't want to say everyone's a lie, but think about yourself and when you post and, and think about how – true everything is that you post like yeah. you could easily you know change the truth just slightly to make it a little bit more appealing like everybody does it it's harmless you know and but it, it but it's it's harmful but it's harmless you know what I mean so it's like it everything that you see is not what it appears to be so you just have to stay in your own lane so I it, I appreciate everything that you yeah, said it can be so so defeating when you are on top of the world for something that you've just accomplished. And then you log on and you see a post and it kind of one ups what you just accomplished. And that like that can be killer. So, you know, be happy for everyone, be happy for everyone's success. Um, but don't let that take away from your own success. Like for sure. A hundred percent. Definitely. Well, Aria, we all have to follow you now. So where can oh, we yeah. follow you? <laughs> Find you. I am mostly, well, I'm on uh, Facebook, but mostly Instagram. It's the uh, at Aria Shine. It's A-R-I-A-S-H-I-N-E. Uh, a lot of times what I post on Instagram, I will like copy over to my athlete Facebook page, but I honestly don't really go on Facebook all that often. Um, so the Instagram is, is probably the, the best way to follow me. All right, girl. Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you. If you love this episode, 
just as much as I love this episode, and you know someone who may love this episode just as much as you and I loved this episode, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you could help me help others. So please, if you loved it, it takes 30 seconds to leave me a five-star review and share with all of your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And always remember to never give up on your dreams.